Hey y'all, how you doing? Y'all doing okay? It's me, Harlan Williams, your host to the Harlan Highway Podcast. This is Virus Special Number 10. Hope your virus is doing okay. Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, Podcast Number 10, Virus Special. I'm your host, Harlan. And today we are talking about the uh, the virus. I, th- I think we're kind of starting to see it dissipate to a degree. Or at the very least, things starting to open up and get back to normal. So we're going to talk about that. Also, a therapist, Dr. Ascot is here. Many of us have been cooped up for, for months now. And we have a professional therapist here to kind of help us through it, help us maybe get to the other side of it. Uh, So that'll be intense. Dr. Ascot, also the question of the day. We're going to ask an interesting question about something that involves the the virus and some of the proceedings that have gone on. Um, so we've got that. And then, uh, we'll be, we'll be announcing our winners for the Harland original t-shirt giveaway. We have the phone calls and the winners of the big giveaway. So big show, put your seatbelt on, put a pillow around your head and let's do it. This is the Harland Highway. Sit down, strap in, and tighten your diaper. Come on. You are about to go down the Harlan Highway. That means that every woman in this village who is capable of childbirth is going to have a baby. You shit-kicking, stinky horseman or smelling motherfucker, you. Tell me his name. You must tell me his name. This is Harlan Williams. Oh, well, my mistake. <laughs> Guess I'll be on my way then. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? All of you. All of you freaks. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Whether you're wearing a pullover or a cardigan, it's the Harland Highway. I have to hang up now. Well, I think I think we should start cheering. I, I think uh, some cheers might be in order. I feel like we're starting to come out of this whole virus thing. I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it feels like, as they say, we've we've lowered the curve. Um, it feels like uh, the, the panic and the fear and a lot of of the. Uh, you know the the floating anxiety about about this whole uh, virus is is starting to uh, subside to a degree. I think people are cautiously optimistic. I think things are starting to open up a little more. I think uh, slowly but surely things are beginning to reopen. In some places, uh, not fast enough according to some, and in other places, uh, they still want to keep it locked down until there's a a cure, which seems very unrealistic to me because who knows how long a cure could take. A cure, you know, that we don't even have a cure for the common cold, and that's been around for since the beginning of mankind. You know, they don't have a cure for AIDS. They don't have a, a cure for many things. Cancer, herpes, you name it. So the, the, the concept of staying in our houses until there's a cure, that, that could take the 40, 50, 60 years. That could take never. Who? There's no guarantee there's a cure. So when you hear politicians speaking like that, it, it's very frightening. And so I think the more realistic politicians and socially conscious people and, and authoritarian figures that are that are kind of, you know, what we look to to guide us through this crazy uh, existence we live in, we look for some kind of balance for things to be rational and reasonable and, and every, every day in life is infused with a certain amount of risk. And, and, uh, at some point we have to decide, do we shut her in place and wither away 
Or do we go out and, and try and trudge through the storm? And I tell you what, I'm, I'm one of those guys that trudges through the storm. You know, you, you can't just shut down the, the bee's nest. If the bees stop bringing the honey and the pollen, the, the hive dies, man. It just, everything turns black and mold starts to grow and you're doomed. So we're not at the same place we were when this thing started like two and a half, three months ago where everyone was just like, oh my God, there's a, there's a virus, there's a pandemic, what do we do? Oh my God. You know, it's like when you kick an ant's nest open, right? The, the, the second you kick the ant's nest open, there's chaos, right? The ants just come scurrying out. They're running all over the place. They're running around the perimeter. They're, they're just going nuts. Their whole world just exploded. But then very quickly, you'll see the ants organize, and they'll, they'll absorb the damage, and they'll absorb the uh, the disruption rather quickly and you gotta remember we're talking about lowly little ants okay these these are like you know some of the lowest life forms if that's the way you want to look at them I think they're quite brilliant to be honest and we can learn from them but if you've ever been a naughty kid and you have and you've ever kicked an ant nest open you know it's like they just go berserk and they're all the soldiers are running out and all the answers. There, there could be like hundreds of thousands of them. There's, there's at least probably 10,000 in each ant nest. There's, there's tons of them. But here's what you'll notice. Almost by the end of the day, if, if, you, if you go back, if you kick an ant nest open in the morning and you go back by the end of the day, I'll be damned if that ant nest isn't pretty much back together. It's incredible. And some people pour water on ant nests. Some people take torches to them. Some people put poison in them. Some people just kick them open with their boots. But no matter who's there, whatever ant survives, they just brave the storm and they start moving the grains of sand and rebuilding the mouth of the ant nest. And and they're just wired. They're wired to face adversity. They're, they're instinctually wired to survive. And no matter... What has befallen them, no matter what hit their nest, they know they have to rebuild and fortify, reconstruct. And they know they have to just keep living and harvesting food and, and clearing the tunnels and recreating and and protecting their little empire. And, and that's what we have to do. We're ants, man. And this virus kicked the nest open. And so at the beginning, we scrambled and we ran around and we, we, went, we went nuts. And isn't it interesting that ants get their shit together faster than we do? They, they've rebuilt by the end of the day. They're so resilient. And remember, do they even have a brain? How, how, what's the size of an, of an ant brain? All they know is moving sand and eating flies. What do we know? We, we've been to the moon. We've been to Mars. We've created airplanes and electricity and fax machines and microwaves and telephones and boats. And I mean, what haven't we done? And yet the ants seem to scurry around better than we do. And, uh, and so, and so, you know, it's taken us a while, but we, we've kind of got data and we've got information and we've got scientific research and we've had, we've given people time to clear their heads and step back and examine and, and, and attack this thing. And like I said, it ain't over, but what we, what we know now is that if we, if we're careful, if we're smart, if we take precautions Maybe we can dance around it. Maybe we can work through it. And, and do I think it's going to be completely gone? No. Unfortunately, there's going to be certain people that are going to get it. But knowing what we know, I think we can, we can dance around it where a lot less people get it. And let's not forget, the people that get it, the majority of them don't die from it. You know? 
which is a relief. And unfortunately, it, it's kind of like this. This is a weird virus. It's like the culling of the herd. This virus decided to attack the weak and the elderly. It's attacking people with pre-existing uh, conditions like diabetes and obesity and, 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 and breathing issues, lung issues. It's attacking the elderly. If, if this was Africa, this disease would be the hyena, right? The hyena is that scavenger, that predator that roams the, the grasslands and they follow the herds and they look for the maimed and the weak and the dying and the sick and they, they chase them down and they attack them and they destroy them. It's called thinning the herd, culling the herd. We as humans do it. We cull the herd. It's a part of uh, the quote-unquote animal and forest management, which I've never bought, to be honest. I just think it's cruel. But the powers that be in government, that they actually, uh, they actually permit hunting because they say, you know, if, if, if you let a, a certain amount of elk or deer or moose or wolf overpopulate, they damage the ecosystem. Get it? Things that are a natural part of the ecosystem, damaging the ecosystem. In other words, they start encroaching on human land and property where we destroyed the ecosystem so we could put in parking lots, cities, towns, and buildings. So we, we got to, quote, unquote, cull the herd. We thin the herd, right? But it's in a strange way. That's what nature's doing to us now. And it sounds like most of the healthier, younger people who get it are surviving. And the weak and the sick and the elderly are, are, are dying. But according to, to statistics and research, it feels like everything's starting to be on a downslope. And that, that's good. That's good for us. That's good for society. And that, that's good for us mentally. You know, a lot of us have, have probably all had some, some psychological issues going through this. You know, when, when everything just stops and, and everything you know is just ripped out from underneath your feet, your job, your, your habits, your rituals, your routines, your, your ability to make an income, your ability to travel, your ability to just go to a movie or a restaurant. When, when you're pretty much put in under house arrest, and I'm not saying that the authorities are doing that to be cruel. It's, it's just where we've got to be. It's, it's not the mean version of house arrest, like, you're under arrest, asshole. It's more like, hey, everybody, let's work together. Let's, let's slow the curve on this thing. Let's all just stay home. And it's kind of like a, a, you know, a self-house arrest. Um, but it, it's, it's making everyone, uh, you know, take pause and, and have to deal with things that are coming up. Uh, I've known a lot of friends, including myself, where, where we've become very introspective and and looked at our lives and looked at the, the things in our lives, around our lives, the people, the, the places, the things we do, the things we want, the things we dreamed about, the things we didn't know about ourselves. There's, in a way, this has been healthy, but maybe in a, in, in a, in a sad way too, a little unhealthy because it's, it's made people have to go to a place they've never been before. And uh, be in a frame of mind that they've, they've never been before or weren't prepared for or didn't, didn't want to be in. And so there's a lot of uh, psychological and human emotional um, nerve endings being tweaked through all this. And uh, all of us have to deal with them and some of us uh, need professionals. And so I thought it would be appropriate to get in, you know, they, they have this on-air psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist guy that I've always had to check in with as part of my tenure here at the Harlan Highway to make sure I don't go overboard. And so he's coming in now. Is he here, Roger? Okay, send him in. I don't like talking to this guy, but maybe in this instance, it might be good to talk to Dr. Ascot. And it might might actually, for the first time since I've done this podcast, be worthwhile 
considering what we've been through, it might be nice to sit and talk to someone and, and deal with it. So so here he comes. Here he is. Oh, God. Dr. Ascot. Hello, Arland. <sighs> Hello, Dr. Ascot. How are you? I'm excellent, Arland. How are you? I- I'm good, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but thank you for being here. Arland. I, I'm saying thank you for being here, Dr. Ascot. Holland. Doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Please don't say my name over and over the way you always do. It just always gets me off on the wrong footing. I get... Holland. Holland. Yes! Yes, are we here to talk about th- this thing or what? Yes, Arland. You seem a little testy. Well, I, I, I wanted a nice back and forth greeting and, and somehow you kind of... Why do you always have to say my name like eight times before we get started? Arland. See? You just... There's no need. Nobody says a name that often, Dr. Ascot. Arland. Stop it! Arlen, you seem rather agitated. Well, I was actually quite calm, and you came in, and I thought everything was going to be good, but I got to be honest, I see you here, and sometimes your clothing just triggers me. Arlen. Well, you've got a a red paisley shirt on. Thank you, Arlen. That wasn't a compliment. It looks weird. You look like an outdated hippie, and you've got mustard yellow pants. Thank you, Arland. It's not... And what's on your feet? Clogs. Clogs! Yes? You're wi- A red paisley shirt, mustard yellow pants, and clogs. Chocolate brown clogs, Arland. Chocolate brown clogs. Thank you, Arland. I'm... It's... I'm not complimenting you. Arland. Can we... Can we just get on with it? Yes, Arland. You sound rather agitated. How have you been coping with the virus and the lockdown, Arland? Well, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about today. And, you know, there's there's days where I feel good and days where I feel bad. And why do you feel bad on certain days, Arland? Be... Because some days, if I'm being honest, I feel like maybe I don't think this thing's ever going to end. And it gets a little overwhelming. You see what I mean? Yes, Arlen. It's very hard to see the end of the road when there's fog rolling across the road, Arlen. What, What do you mean, fog? That's a psychological term, Arlen. When things become muddy and foggy and we don't have a, a clear view of the end of something, Arland, we, we tend to think it will just lie in a perpetual, confused state and never reach any conclusion, Arland. Okay, well, that, that sort of makes sense, I guess. Maybe, maybe that's where I am. I'm, 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 I'm in this coronavirus fog, as is most of us, Harland, and it's a very powerful fog. It's it's hard to escape, Harland. Okay. Well, d- d- that's why you're here today, isn't it? Are you, can, do you, can you help help me and, and, and the, the other listeners escape this, this virus fog we're in? Absolutely, Harland, and you'll be surprised that the solution is quite simple. Okay, well, that's good to hear. All you need to get through the fog, Holland, is to picture in your mind a light coming through the fog. In essence, a point on the horizon where you believe you will get to the other side, Holland. Okay. Okay, I really liked what you said, and then at the the end, my name came in really long and... Uh, like that? 
Yes! What? Is that necessary, Dr. Ascot? Arland, do you believe in the light on the other side of the fog? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to visualize it like you said, and, and I'm, I guess I'm, if I look hard enough, I can see it. Do you believe that the virus will one day be over, Arland? Yeah. Yes, I, I think I have no choice. I have to believe that the virus will be over. Can you trust that the virus is over, Holland? I, I, I think if, if I don't have trust, I don't have hope. Is that right? Excellent, Holland, yes. Trust equals hope equals trust equals hope. Yes, yes. Yeah. Equals trust, equals hope, equals trust. Okay, trust equals hope, equals trust, equals hope, equals... All right, I, trust equals hope. Equals hope, equals trust. Oh, <sighs> you know... Boy, oh boy, you do not make this easy sitting there in your lemon yellow pants and your chocolate clogs and... And don't forget my sky blue socks, Holland. <sighs> so what do we do now? Now that I trust and I believe... Now we have to test your trust, Holland. We have to see that you believe that the virus can be over. Yes! Okay, good. How, how do we achieve that? What I need you to do, Holland, is come close. We know that the virus is spread from human-to-human -human contact. Is that correct, Holland? Y yes, that's, that's what they're telling us. Excellent. Then in order for you to trust in your own senses, your own psyche, I'll need you to go through a series of quick trust exercises, Arland. Okay, why did you say it like that? Trust exercises, What? Why are you lowering your register? What do I need to do? What are these trust exercises? I want you to come close to my face, Arland. Get within one inch, our noses almost touching. Okay, I, I don't know if I like this. Come closer, Arlen. Okay, right here? A little closer, just almost a paper's thickness between our noses. Okay, this is uncomfortable. I can smell your breath. What have you been eating? I had some onion soup earlier, Holland, but let's not get distracted. God! Our noses are almost touching, correct? Yes. And you're willing to trust? Yes, Dr. Ascot. Excellent. <laughs> oh my god! Ah, oh, fuck! You fucking idiot! <coughs> oh my god! Did you just fucking spit a greener in my face, Ascot? Correct, Holland. Congratulations, you trusted. Trusted what? You oh my god, it's in my freaking eye and running. Oh my god. God! What the hell's the matter with you? Trust, Holland. Now bring your face back. No, I'm not putting my face near you. Bring it back, Holland. Do not spit in my face again. That was disgusting. Holland, closer. Trust. I'm trusting you one last time and don't. Holland, that's it. Right, there you go. We're just a butterfly's kiss away from each other. And. Ah, oh, fuck! You fuck. What the? F Did you just sneeze in my face? Correct, Holland, or more like I trusted in your face. What do you mean, trusted in my face? You were able to trust that I could sneeze right in your face and not be afraid of the virus. Holland, you 
came through the fog, in essence. More like came through your mucus, you sickoid! What the hell's the matter with you? Holland? Yes? <laughs> what the hell was that? I was clearing the mucus from my throat right beside your face, Holland. I noticed! That's disgusting! What the hell is... God! What is wrong with you? Well, let me answer that, Holland. I'd like to hear the answer to this. <laughs> Fuck! What the... Why are you coughing and... What are you doing with your throat? Holland, you made it through the fog. Congratulations, Holland. What in the name... You did all that so that you would see that you're not going to get the virus. Excellent job, Holland. Ascot, how do I know I'm not going to get the virus? You sprayed on my face, you mucused in my face, you sneezed in my face, you coughed in my face. And you trusted Holland. And that's how you get through the virus. What? Dude, you are one twisted, unbelievable, certified psychotherapist, Holland. Thank you very much. You know, if it wasn't for that diploma that you carry around, I'd probably have you arrested. Unfortunately, Holland, that's not going to happen. I helped you through the fog. <sighs> Get out of here! Before I go, would you like some nice hot wonton soup, Holland? What wonton soup? It's good for your sinuses. It's good for your pores. It's good for your insides to have a nice hot soup. Well, I do like wonton soup. What have you got there? I've got this container of wonton soup, Holland. Okay, I see it. I can see it. it's like a plastic container full of wonton soup. That That's actually one of my favorite soups. Do you see the wontons swirling around, Holland? In the yeah, yeah, I see them. I see the white, the white wontons swirling around in the water there. I, you know what? As much as I'm pissed off at you, I'll, I'll have some of that wonton soup. Excellent, Holland. I've got a couple of bowls here. Let me just pour some out. Okay, hey, that actually smells kind of good. Thank you, Arland. I made it myself. Wow, okay. Here you go, Arland. Here's a spoon. Wow, thank... This is... This is... You know, I didn't like the way this session started, but this is kind of nice, Dr. Ascot. Thank you, Arland. Enjoy the wonton soup. Okay, I will. Let me... Oh, it is hot. Mmm, mmm. How do you like it, Holland? Mm, mm. Uh, those wontons taste a little, uh, I don't know, they're kind of the little, um, the texture on the wontons a little, I don't know, grainy or something? Well, surprise, Holland. Welcome to your next trust exercise. What, what, what do you mean? Those aren't wontons, Holland. What do you mean they're not wontons? Those are used Kleenexes in hot water. What? Those are some of my used Kleenexes full of snot floating around in hot water. They resemble wontons, Holland. You fucking... Are you telling me I just ate your fucking snot rags? Aren't they yummy? And congratulations on trusting in my used snot rags. It looks like you're through the fog, Holland. Get the hell out of here! Get your fucking yellow mustard pants, your chocolate clogs. Don't forget my blue socks, sky blue. Get the fuck out of here with your your paisley shirt and- Holland, would you like a second helping? Get the fuck out! Holy shit! Roger, go to a break. I'm gonna fucking douche my face. I'm gonna fucking suck a Summer's Eve douche and clean out my... What a sickoid. Holy... Play a commercial. Holy fuck. Freshers, 
A walk through the woods on an early spring morning. Fresh is a gentle breeze that takes you by surprise. Fresh is simple with Summer's Eve, the most convenient disposable douche you can buy. This exclusive one-piece unit means there's nothing to assemble. And it's available in two fragrances, or vinegar and water, the solution doctors recommend. With Summer's Eve, freshness has never been simpler. The Harlan Highway, question of the day. Okay, don't take this question the wrong way. Don't take it as mean or cruel or biting or anything like that. It, it's an honest, legitimate kind of question. And I think it's one we all probably ask to ourselves. Okay, during the virus, we've had an, uh, you know, an overflow of politicians um, getting up in front of cameras, at podiums, at, at, at little camera setups, wherever, giving their speeches and talking about the rules and all this and that. And many of the politicians have uh, sign language interpreters beside them, okay? Obviously for, for deaf people, okay? And not all of them, but a lot of them have the, the sign language people either right beside them or just over their shoulder. And sometimes they're kind of a, a few feet behind them. And I'm just being honest. I respect the deaf. I mean, God forbid any of us were, were born deaf or became deaf. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's, it, 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 it would be awful not to be able to hear things. And, and so thanks to the ingenuity of human beings, they've created a sign language where deaf people can follow along with, with you know, hand signals. It's, it's ingenious. It, it, it's absolutely, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm not knocking the deaf. But what I am going to say is, boy, is it distracting. And I know it's a necessity, and I know it, it, it's probably the fastest and easiest way to communicate with the deaf. And if I was deaf, I'd want this type of thing. But I, I got to say, it's just I'm, 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 I'm stating the obvious here. To those of us that aren't deaf, I got to tell you, it is so unusual and weird. And, you know, I guess my question is, do, some, do you think some of these interpreters are taking the piss out of us a little bit. You know, on, on, a, on a normal day, you know, sign language is a little bit aggressive. I mean, it's like you, you, see, you see a politician talking, and then off to the side is someone doing all these mimes and hand gestures and movements and sporadic facial expressions and, you know, it's not just the fingers moving. A lot of it is like, the, the, these these signers they call them contort their faces and they twist their their mouths around and they, and they kind of half mouth the words and they silently kind of speak and I don't know if this is for lip reading or I, I I get the feeling they get caught up in the energy of it right because there's a lot of information they've got to they've got to filter it through their brain bring it out the other side and it's almost like you ever see a guitar player like Jimi Hendrix when they get into the guitar. And, and their whole body kind of takes over and their eyes are closing and it looks like they're going into a trance and their fingers are flailing and they're, they're kind of, their mouths are moving because, of, you know, the, 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 the instrument kind of takes them over. I think, I think with, with signers, the energy and the moment of, of having to sign so much, right? Because you got to figure if two deaf people are, in a, are signing together, it's probably like a little bit of back and forth. You sign, you wait for a response, you sign back, right? It's a conversation. So there's some pacing to it. But when you see the people signing and they're just they're just like interpreting rapid fire nonstop communication from a politician, they they just got to keep going. But here's my thing. And if I was a signer because I've got a wacky sense of humor, I think I would do this. Okay? I've seen a few sign language people, and I think if you, I think you know who you are. I think you know who you are. I think some of them are hamming it up and taking the piss out of it to a degree. Okay, 
Because, you know, I've seen sign language people and they're very calmly just signing and twirling their fingers and making the motions. And yeah, their faces are moving a bit, but they're, 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 they're very reserved and they're doing a good job. And then I've seen a few of them, man, where I feel like I'm watching a Saturday Night Live skit. I feel like I'm watching a, a Second City skit. I feel like I'm, I'm watching like someone pulling a prank. You ever do this when you're out in public or you were at school? Remember when you were a kid and maybe even when you weren't a kid? You know, I think adults still do this too where you, you see someone walking funny and you walk up behind them and they don't know you're walking behind them and you start mimicking their walk or you start walking like a chicken or something and you're kind of making fun of them. Or it's like when someone's taking a picture, you know, let's say someone's taking a picture of you and some some family member sneaks behind you and does the rabbit ears over your head or they make a goofy face and you don't know what's going on behind you. I swear I've seen some signers like really putting it into fifth gear, man. Like I almost see themselves almost cracking themselves up. Like they're they're doing faces and hand gestures that are so much bigger and broader and borderline comedic that I know there's a couple of jokers out there that are really hamming it up. Okay, and and a part of me is kudos to you. Like way to go because you know, it's one of those politically incorrect things where if you were to say something, it's like, uh, do you have to be so big? Excuse me? I'm trying to assist the deaf here, thank you. And you're accusing me, like, you can't say anything, right? So I've seen a few of these sign language people, and I can just tell. Because I'm in comedy, right? I can, I can kind of read comedy energy. I can kind of read when a performer is kind of putting it on. And there's a few where I swear to God, I've almost caught them almost starting to laugh at themselves, okay? And while these politicians are out there pontificating and being all serious and holier than thou and acting like they have the answers to, to all eternity, here's some, some signer behind them, like, looking like they're making faces at a monkey through the glass at the zoo. It is, it is crazy. So A, I'm tipping my hat to you guys, but then B, I guess I'm complaining a little bit and I don't want it to sound mean. I'm not trying to sound mean. Like I said, if I was deaf, I'd want it. But part of me goes, and maybe I'm just ignorant, and again, I'm not trying to be mean, but I I wonder how many deaf people are watching. Like, you know, do do you need, do 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 you need these interpreters for everything? And then B, you go, well, why can't they just put the Chiron in at the bottom? You know, like somebody typing along, going blah, 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 here's what they're saying. And I'm not saying this to be mean, to to be not inclusive of deaf people. But I guess I'm saying it because it, it's very distracting to watch, and it, it's very, um, it kind of makes me uneasy, you know? Because it, it, it's so big and, and, and your focus goes from, let's say you're watching uh, Barack Obama talk and here's this, this person beside him flailing their arms and looks like they're juggling and it looks like they're throwing a pizza in the air and it, it looks like they're screaming and it looks like they're, 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 they're an airline stewardess trying to you know show people where the seats are and the safety doors and the life rafts and it's... It's really like it's really chaotic and 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 it's kind of like like it's 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 like a crazy Italian guy, you know, the Italians like to hey, what the hell is some spicy meatball? You know, they get their arms going in the air. It's like it's like someone like that but they're on crack. And so you know, it, it made me wonder is is there another solution with all the technology we have now? You know, with with all the you know, you've got these apps where you can walk up to someone in the street and, and, and you could be in Japan and go, hello, how are you? And the app goes, right? It, it, you have apps now that translate um, like different languages in a millisecond. 
So I wonder if maybe there's an app that, you know, that there must be enough ingenuity in the television industry and the technology industry where they can just they can just put a microphone beside whoever's speaking. And and that microphone translates the words into a chyron underneath the politician on the screen. And if you don't know what a chyron is, that's that's when you when you see writing, it's like the uh, the text comes up. So a politician saying, you know, we've really got to battle this uh, coronavirus. And there might be a bit of a delay where it's like, you know, we've really got to battle this coronavirus underneath. You know, you see it on the news all the time. Have you, have, do you ever watch CNN or you watch, uh, you watch uh, f- football, uh, sh- anything? They have closed captioning where you can watch a live broadcast of the news and... And the uh, the closed captioning comes underneath. And I'm not trying to put sign language people out of work. And I'm not trying to uh, tell the, the the deaf who or who they can't or what kind of option they have. But I will I would almost think for a deaf person because you know they obviously have their eyesight or they couldn't see a signer. Wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be just as easy if not more accurate to just watch a, a, a closed caption Chiron go by because you got to figure with, with, with sign language and forgive me, I'm not an expert in it, but you got to figure that when you're signing, I don't know that you're able to sign every last grammatical point. You know what I mean? Like I think in some instances and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you might have to round things off or a conversation or a sentence or a paragraph might have to be like condensed or rounded off vis-a-vis sign language because I, I don't know that you could sign every single nuance. It, it seems like that would take an eternity, but maybe I'm totally wrong. But nonetheless, it's it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, man. And uh, it made me, it made me remind, you know, speaking of communication and language and and all this stuff. Look, we, we're all different. We all have different ways of communicating and how we receive and learn and speak. And and again, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying to get rid of it. I'm, people get so uptight over this stuff nowadays. I'm I'm just expressing uh, how it how it looks and feels to the layperson. And I'm not speaking for all of you, but for me, it's like it's really like kind of weird and distracting and bizarre. But, you know, that's just me. But anyways, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I'm a comedian, so you look for the humorous side of everything. So you're not, I'm not here knocking deaf people. I'm hoping, I'm hoping someone will be able to translate this bit to a deaf person and they can see the humor in it. I would never try to be cruel and mock or make fun of these people. Oh, my God, are you kidding I've done that many times in my stand-up shows. You know, I've had deaf people at my stand-up shows. And they've either had someone with them who could sign or they're really good lip readers or whatever, but they, they've just been there. And so when I found that out, I engage with them on the stage. I don't run away from it. I don't I don't run away from engaging with the deaf person because I think, oh, they're, they're deaf. I can't say anything. It, w- it will hurt them. It's too sensitive. They're, they're off limits. They're not human. Well, no, that's the the wrong approach to take with people that have a disability or a handicap. I've always learned in in my comedy and in everything, you include them. You're never cruel. You're never mean. But you've got to talk about these things. You've got to engage. You've got to bring people in. Or else what? You just leave them out in the cold? Because someone's a sign language person, you can't have a little fun with it. You can't take a little sarcastic, well-humored jab at it. That's all it is. And I guess it kind of sucks we live in a world where I have to do this whole kind of disclaimer now because everyone gets so upset about everything. You know, in the old days, you could just, you know, talk about stuff and people were like, oh, that's a funny bit. We, we know he doesn't mean any harm by it, but what a funny observation. But now it's like you say anything that, that assaults anything, Suddenly people think you're a, you're a hater and you're a mean person and you should be persecuted. It's unbelievable. 
Maybe that maybe this uh, virus will maybe help everyone learn they got to lighten up a little bit. But anyways, on on the beat of communication, I want you to hear this old skit from Second City. The Second City. This is Catherine O'Hara, amazing comedic actress, and Andrea Martin from Second City. They they did a sketch where Catherine O'Hara played an English teacher in a night school class, you know, in a setting with a desk and a chalkboard and everything. And obviously an immigrant woman comes in named Perini Sclerosi or Scleroso, and she can't speak a lick of English. And this is just a hilarious bit where Catherine O'Hara is trying to communicate and teach this foreign woman who doesn't know the English language how to speak English. Have a laugh. Have a listen. This is gold. Hello. Welcome to English for Beginners. I am your instructor, Lucille Hitzker, and today my guest is Perini Scleroso. Hello. Hello. Come in. Come in. Come in. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Now we will begin with a few simple phrases. No big if you see fray. No, you don't have to say that. No, would do I say that? I am from out of town. I am from out of town. I am from out town. Can you direct me to the hotel? Can you direct me to the hotel? Can you? Can you direct me to the hotel? 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 You just go down two blocks, you can't miss it. Oh my God. So funny. If you ever want to see that skit, it's on YouTube. It's SCTV English for Beginners. Gold. So funny. Um, so let's get to uh let's get to our t-shirt giveaway. Oh my god, as you know, a few uh, virus specials back, I told you that a, a wonderful person from Australia, can't say the person's name, it's a secret, but um, as you know, I make, I draw these um, homemade t-shirts, I, uh, I draw them on, right on the t-shirt with Sharpie markers, they're like one of a kind, works of art by Harland Williams, yours truly. You know, the guy who hates deaf people. Oh, my God. Um, so um, I draw right on the shirts, and I sell these shirts on my website. They're a little bit expensive because they are one of a kind, and they take a lot of work. And, and you know, you're not buying a designer brand. You're getting your very own shirt that no one else will ever have. Okay? So they're 65 bucks. And uh, during the virus, through the generosity in her heart, one of the uh, Harland Highway, Harlan Williams fans bought a couple of the shirts and she emailed me through the, uh, the store and said, hey, you know, with all that's going on, I would feel really good inside if, if you were to take the shirts I bought and somehow gave them away to somebody else. 
And first of all, I was flabbergasted. I was like, what a kind, generous person. And secondly, I thought, what a really cool idea. So I put it out there uh, a number of weeks back. I said, hey, phone me, leave a message. And the top two messages that I get where you make your case for wanting a T-shirt, you will get the T-shirt. I, I will screen the calls and the, t- the two the two phone call messages that kind of uh, make me laugh or, or make me feel like they were, uh, they were winners, those shirts will go to you. So here we go. I've, I've, I've picked the winners. I'm going to play the winners. And then uh, it's up to the winners to make sure they phone that same phone number on my website harlowwilliams.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can phone and leave a message. And then when I announce, uh, when you hear your message and you, you know you've won, you phone that number and you, you uh, say, hey, this is so-and-so. Here's my address. And I'll know it's you because I will compare your voices. So don't anyone try to get tricky, little monkeys. So here we go. Here is uh, message number one for the winner of a Harland Williams original t-shirt. Play it, Rog. Hi, Harland. This is John. I deserve a shirt because I try really hard to write jokes, and I think they're hilarious, and no one else really does. Uh, so, for example, how mad would you be if you caught the coronavirus because you washed your hands for 19 seconds? Okay. Um, if the coronavirus was an STD, I'd be safe. No. Um, I like to eat beef jerky, and I'm a vegetarian because it's processed in a plant. Now that was lazier than Forrest Whitaker's left eye. Um, um, oh, anyone can have greatness thrust upon them. Just ask any woman I've ever slept with. Ah, bloody hell. I don't think any of those are going to work. I love your podcast, and, you know, I could really use a shirt, but I don't think my career in comedy is going to make it. Bye. (laughs) There you go, John. See, don't, don't beat yourself up so bad, John. You did it, man. You're our first winner of the Harlan Williams shirt. I kind of love that you made the effort. You you rifled off three jokes. Like, you took the time to to be funny. I liked it that you were humble. I liked it that you were kind of self-effacing, if that's the term. And uh, I just love it that you, you made the effort, man. You, you, you put in a really good effort, and, and you, you, you said you deserved it, and you, and you went for it, and you fought for it, and you, you didn't even necessarily think you, you had the strongest material or the best chance. But you know what you had, John? You had heart, buddy. You had a lot of heart. <laughs> and... It was it was well done, and and I did have a chuckle. You're funnier than you think, sir. So congratulations to John. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Thank you for playing along, and you've earned yourself a wonderful T-shirt, a hand-drawn original. Compliments of uh, our friend, lady friend down in Australia, our mystery lady friend in Australia. So. Hopefully you'll wear the shirt with pride. You'll think of her when you wear it. And maybe you'll find it in your heart to pay it forward with something else, whether it be helping an old lady across the street or offering someone a sandwich or maybe telling some of your jokes to someone that looks like they're down. Maybe you find a little way to pay it forward. Maybe that's part of, part of the prize. It's up to you. But congratulations. Now, in order to get the uh, the prize, John, you have to phone in and leave me your address. Speak clearly. Don't have your cell phone tucked in your neck. Don't have the window open in the car with the wind blowing. Go to a nice, quiet, secure place. Okay? 
Maybe one of the rooms where you, where you tell your jokes. It should be quiet there. I'm kidding. I couldn't help it. I, I, no, I'm just joking. I, I had to throw it in because you were saying, and so I'm just playing with you, buddy, but I really appreciate the effort. So 323-739-4330. Give me your mailing address. No one else will get it. No one else will hear the uh, recording. Nobody else has access to it. So your your address is secure, and uh, and call in and leave it, and uh, we will send your prize out to you. Congratulations! Great job. Let's hear it for John, everybody. Come on, let's hear it. A great job, wonderful job, and now we will. Okay, that's good. Don't don't build up his ego too much, gang. Don't don't get John going too much. Uh, let's switch gears and go to our second winner now. Our second exciting Harland Original T-shirt uh, winner. Uh, Roger, please play the message for winner two. Hello, Harland. Oh, God. I, I think I had uh, too much uh, hummus yesterday or something. But, hey, listen, uh, the reason why I'm calling is I really think that you should give uh, one of your nice uh, custom shirts there to uh, one of your callers, uh, Chad. Uh, he's been a fan for a very long time. And you know what, Harlan? He actually has been quarantined this whole time in a house with uh, five females, and, and he's the only uh, uh, male in the house. So I, I think to prevent him from going on a murderous rampage and killing everybody in the house, uh, we should give him one of the shirts to uh, to stop that from happening. And uh, you know what, Harlan? If, if you do this for me, uh, I promise I will take you to uh, Wessels Pretzels, and uh, we could go ahead and share one of those delicious Wessels Pretzels. Love you, buddy. Bye. <laughs> okay, Chad. Our second winner is Chad. Just you almost got to give the guy the the win because of the name, Chad. My name is Chad. I love that name, Chad. Um, I got to give you high points for the effort. I mean, you you know, you popped into Aunt Ruthie, one of my favorite characters to do. You you must have known. You must have known. Oh, I'll get him. I'll get him with Aunt Ruthie. Oh, I'll do Aunt Ruthie, and he can't resist giving me a T-shirt, for God's sakes, the little angel. So you got me with the Aunt Ruthie. You, you got me with a fart right at the beginning. I mean, right at the beginning, it was like a, you know, a hummus fart. How can you not reward a hummus fart, right, Chad? And then just he kind of stuck with the, uh, with the Aunt Ruthie. It was like Aunt Ruthie light. Nobody does Ruthie like I do, but it was a good, it was a good attempt. And uh, I appreciate the effort. It's all about effort. So, so very good job to Chad. He's our, uh, our second winner. We only had two t-shirts. Um, so uh, Chad, uh, like, like John, please call 323-739-4330. Leave your Addy, your address, and uh, we'll mail your prize out to you. And again, thanks to our mystery friend in, all, in Australia, our mystery friend in Aussie. She's the one that made this all happen. And for those of you that phoned in and left wonderful messages, I appreciate it. You all did a great job. They were all fun and unique in their own way. But I had to pick the two for, for specific reasons, and you're all winners in my book. Every nobody gets a red check mark. Everybody's everybody's a winner. Everyone gets an A. Cause that's the world we live in. There are no losers. But uh, appreciate everyone calling in. That was a lot of fun. And uh, if you, if you really want a Harlan Williams original T-shirt. Just keep checking in on my website. I, I post them every now and then. They take a little while to do, so I don't have them in the store all the time, but I, I put them in uh, sporadically, and they seem to go, they seem to sell very quickly because they are, like I said, they're very unique, one of a kind. 
Uh, so congratulations to our two winners. Uh, Chad, let's give Chad a hand here, ladies and gentlemen. Great job, Chad. And I think that let, let's not. Okay, calm down. We don't want it. We don't want it to get, I don't want a new Aunt Ruthie. Good. Just don't don't give the guy any ideas. Uh, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Up on a high note with winning. I'm winning. Winner, Tiger Blood. Again, uh, heartfelt thanks to uh, Australia and our mystery lady who donated the shirts. Maybe all of us can pay it forward. Not just our winners, but all of us uh, get out there and pay it forward somehow. A, a warm charitable deed is not only good for the people you do it to, but it's also good for your own heart and your own peace of mind and your own psyche. It, it feels good. Uh, everyone stay safe. Like I said, I think we're coming to the end or, you know, the, the, the hard part of this thing. The next virus podcast might be the last one, the, the last virus special, just because I think we're, we're winding down and, and people are getting back to normal. And, you know, I just did this to kind of lighten the mood for everyone and maybe help people cope and get their mind off of things. And uh, as we return to normalcy, uh, I will return to normalcy and get back to my own routines and, and things. And so um, maybe one more farewell virus special just to help kiss this stupid virus goodbye. So stay safe. Uh, keep your toothbrush handy in case you get fungus. And uh, thank you for being here. And until next time, everybody, you're all winners and chicken. Chow mein, baby.